two friends, Alan Dale and Jerry Carew, who grew up just a few streets apart in St. John's East End, have been separated by Canon's geography for three decades. They came together virtually during the pandemic to chat about like-minded interests. Alan lives in PEI and Jerry in Newfoundland. Thriving in remoteness has been a common theme for both of them during the pandemic. Gale Force wins. The podcast is the result. Ladies and gentlemen, we, welcome to another uh, episode of Gale Force Wins. I'm Alan Dale, and with me as always, my good buddy from St. John's, Newfoundland, Jerry Crew. How are you, Jerry? Doing really well again. Uh, I always talk about this, that, and the other thing, and I'm not going to talk about the weather, but I will mention that the sun was out today. Fantastic, Jerry. Listen, uh, I'm very excited about this uh, conversation we're going to have with uh, Mr. Andrew Parsons, uh, because... Uh, I do a lot of business in Newfoundland these days, and when I do business with guys in Newfoundland and Andrew's name comes up, one thing comes to, one thing comes to mind, and that is they always say Andrew gets it, and I like that in business. I like that about a person. So uh, without further ado, Andrew, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Oh, thank you. Uh, well, my name is Andrew Persons. I'm uh, the member of the House of Assembly for Burgio Lapoil, and currently very pleased to be the uh, Minister for Industry, Energy and Technology in the Government of Premier Fury. Uh, but perhaps most importantly, I am a uh, very lucky husband and very happy father to two young kids. And I'm with you today from Port of Basque, Newfoundland. Andrew, is that where you're from originally, down in Port of Basque? Originally from here, grew up here. And besides the time I went away to university and a little tiny bit of work, I still reside here. Although I'm, uh, I guess you could say I'm bi-coastal between Port of Ask and St. John's. Sure, sure. What's that now, Andrew? I mean, of course, I've been to Port of Ask many times. Beautiful part of the world. Tell us what that whole area means to you. Well, it's home. Uh, primarily. Um, it's an amazingly well-kept secret, given the fact that it is one of the main gateways to our province. Uh, so, you know, that's that's the first thing. Whenever I think of uh, coming home, in fact, uh, I, I can always remember when I used to leave from university, whether it was UMB and you're driving down, as soon as you saw that Marine Atlantic illuminated light, you were home. <laughs> and just the smell and getting off, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. I think all of us as Newfoundlanders and Labradorians feel that way, but I was lucky enough when, you know, when the, uh, the boat docked, I was home. I didn't have any driving. I'm right there. Uh, but I've also spent a lot of time in the Codroy Valley. My parents uh, had a cabin there. So we grew up there as well every summer. Uh, so I'm very connected to that place, which is perhaps the best kept secret in Newfoundland, how gorgeous it is, the mountains right on the ocean. Uh, it's, I love it. I, I People wonder how, uh, you know, why aren't you in St. John's yet? And this is the reason why I'm just connected to this place and my wife and kids. I love them. my wife's not even from here. She's from the East Coast, uh, but she's pretty attached to the area. And our kids, I don't think, would want to go anywhere else. You get real summers there, Andrew, don't you, as opposed to St. John's. I'm not sure what we get. Well, you know, I, I will tell the truth. There is a significant difference between Port of Basque and the Codroy Valley. Uh, Port of Basque, the fog, the wind, uh, you know, this, the Codroy Valley, you drive literally 20 kilometers up the road and the sun shines. It's about five degrees warmer and it's, it's just gorgeous. It's uh, basically like the rest of the West Coast, whether you think of Pasadena, an area where we, we just have this amazing climate here in the summer. It's a pretty gorgeous spot. It's pretty amazing, eh, Andrew, how uh, 
we sometimes we take that stuff for granted, eh? We come from these beautiful parts of the world, and we always think it's better somewhere else, you know? I, I was telling you before we started that my wife and I did the trip across Newfoundland a few times last summer, right? And and we were in awe of the beauty of the, the landscape. And, and I was saying to my wife, if this was in Norway, we'd be posting this on Facebook and saying, this is the best place in the world. But we just take it for granted, don't we? We absolutely do. When you're driving down the TCH and you look to your, you see the tablelands there and you look to your right and you see the ocean and the whales. And I just think, well, it's a normal Tuesday drive and other people from away. And we've had plenty of guests come and they're like, you guys don't realize how amazing this is and I, I I did you know living away going to school in say Saskatchewan when I came home for the summer it hits you then that's when it starts to sort of dawn on you and you realize you know what this is a pretty special spot like when you're out in the out in the prairies and you know you're watching your dog run away for days <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's just and again don't get me wrong gorgeous area and loved it but uh this spot we have and you know whether it's the weather you know the, the fact that you can see every season in one day uh, i'll be driving across today i'm starting here in the rain and wreck house winds and by the time i get to st john's it's going to be sun and and beautiful uh, hopefully andrew it's funny you say that you know i remember golfing in terra nova maybe 20 years ago and i was apologizing to, to these two guys from texas because it was i don't know 15 degrees and it was a little cool and they looked at me and they go jerry it's like 140 degrees fahrenheit in texas right now so we're here because we want to be and uh, that was the first time it really dawned on me that you know what yeah people want to get away from all that right absolutely absolutely right what takes a fella from portabas newfoundland out to saskatchewan well what brought you out there well uh so back when i graduated high school would have been 1997 uh went to unb followed my father's footsteps he's a unb law grad uh, so I did my undergrad there. And this is back before the tuition freeze. This is back before MUN wasn't really a consideration. Every, all of my friends, everybody wanted to go to the mainland. We wanted to get away. And so I chose UMB, did my four years. And then I was looking, I, I knew I wanted to go to law school. Uh, I knew I wanted a, a change. And I said, the first place that takes me, that's where I'm going. I applied to a bunch of spots. So it's not like I had my pick. Uh, let's just say I wasn't at the top of the Dean's list by any stretch. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember my birthday that year would have been, uh, 2001. The letter comes in, U of S you've been accepted. And the next morning I, I had everything sent off and that's where I was going. Um, now I was lucky. My older brother actually did his law degree there. So I had some familiarity and uh, but I, I, I don't think I've ever made a better choice in my life. Uh, it was amazing to see a whole different world in my mind, uh, to be that far away, have access to a whole different place that I probably wouldn't have gotten to. And uh, Saskatchewan's great. Uh, you know, people wonder, why did you go there? And they took me. And uh, the best thing that ever happened to me is with they took me. Yeah. Andrew, it's funny. I, I uh, did a reality TV show. A number of years ago called Trading Places. And I got sent to major Saskatchewan. And I was amazed at how much the people from Saskatchewan were like East Coasters. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I've always said we're fishermen, they're farmers, but it's the same mindset. Uh, work hard, uh, just be genuinely nice to people. Uh, funny, you got to have a sense of humor to be, yeah. be doing this. 
Uh, but I, that's, I think, why I liked it, because the people from Saskatchewan were just so down to earth now. They they weren't used to a lot of the same things. There were a few stretches in terms of, uh, I, I'd say something, and they're like, yeah. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> the first time I said I was going out on my bridge, and they're like, whose bridge are you going on? <laughs> well, you'll laugh at this, Andrew. So my best friend lives in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, married a young girl from Tisdale. I went up for the wedding, and I was driving the car, and I said, do you want me to burp the horn? And they look at me and they go, bump. What do you mean? Do you want me to bump the horn? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, they are, they're good people, a uh, lot of fun. And uh, so that's, I think, one of the reasons I enjoyed it. Because it was still, it was a whole new province. But it's not a big province. It's not a, like, large. Sask- Saskatoon's a beautiful little city. And I think that's why I liked it. Because I could have got swallowed up pretty quickly in Vancouver or Toronto and uh, Saskatoon. Will always, if, I, if I didn't want to come home so bad, I'd still be there. Oh, yeah. That's great. That's great. So Andrew, uh, family, got a couple of uh, little kids. Yeah. A couple of kids, a uh, little fella in grade five, little girl who's in grade one, uh, just dropped them off this morning. So uh, they are the, they're, you know, they're what makes you, uh, you know, everybody to each their own, but uh, from my wife and I, uh, you know, best thing ever. They're just two unique characters, uh, really funny. Uh, it, it just changes everything. You'd be so you're so self-consumed, uh, especially well, perhaps I was uh, consumed and just doing everything. And then, you know, now it's funny. I left the House of Assembly Thursday night. Uh, we got out late. Actually, I left six forty-five and got on the road and got home ten after four in the morning. And wow. it's because I promised the kids, I said, I will be there when you wake up, I'll be there to bring you to school. And uh, that's what you do. That's what we do. Every one of us does for our kids, or our family. And uh, no, I'm, I'm a pretty lucky guy. Yeah, for sure. Andrew, uh, what a great lead up to, to get into the conversation, talk about the good things happening in Newfoundland. Uh, really, I mean, there really is a lot of great things happening in Newfoundland. You know, people can choose to look at all the, the negative things, but to be honest with you, I think there's a great deal of opportunity. And I think one of the things that most people, and certainly me and, and Jerry, it's the people that drive that province. It's their desire to help one another. And uh, and I see so much good things happening. And Jerry and I have been focusing on the technology sector Talk to us a little bit about that. What what do you see the recipe for success there? Well, you know, a uh, couple of things. Uh, first of all, I think it's easy uh, to get caught up in what's not going right or what's not working in this world. That's easy. You could concentrate on that all day. But when you look past that, there's a heck of a lot, as you say, going right. And I, I tell you, so the premier put me in this new department, which was, you know, the combination of natural resources as well as technology, as well as the business side of what was formerly uh, tourism, culture, and innovation. So you put it all together. And I tell you, it's the the remarks that I've gotten from people saying, what a great collaboration, because you look at our traditional industries, they all need to evolve. And how do you evolve? Technology. And then you look at our pure tech sector. And I, I mean, if I've ever been around a group of people who can see the bright side, who see the excitement, who see the opportunities, the tech sector. And look, perhaps the best thing is I came in with pretty cold eyes. I, I, you know, that's not my background. I'd spent five and a half years uh, as attorney general and doing justice items. And so I came in pretty cold. Uh, But I'd like to think that I've caught up 
And this sector is just is booming and there's, there's opportunity. And, and the reason is, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you're from, there's no limitation to what you do. You can, you know, you can do any kind of idea from right here in Newfoundland and not just in St. John's. I mean, you could launch the first group that I saw was subsea imaging out in Clarenville. Two fellas went to the college, uh, started in their mom's, uh, it, uh, like their house, and now they've expanded to become a fairly decent sized company, 10 to 15, uh, with contracts all over Europe and Asia right yeah. from Clarenville. So it just show, shows me that there's no limitations. And it's pretty exciting because the, there's the geek in me uh, when I see this stuff and I don't have that ability. I've fully recognized that. So I think perhaps I celebrated a bit more when I see people doing this really cool stuff. I'm like, how do you come up with that? And so then my job is basically say, how can I help? How can Andrew, I be of use to you? Andrew, you know, you've just hit on something that I find intriguing. And a lot of friends that I went through business school with are in various parts of the world. Um, one particular person lives in Stephenville. And, and, you know, we talk a lot about rural Newfoundland. It's one thing for St. John's to have success. What is it we can do, to, you know, like Clarenville, subsea imaging, and, you know, I, I can just picture technology companies in, in Port of Basque in a building with windows overlooking the ocean. You know, it's such an uh, inspiring, I guess, place. We need rural Newfoundland to be just as successful as as uh, St. John's, don't we? Absolutely, I think, and they're not mutually exclusive. One right. succeeding helps the other thrive, and vice versa. We, it, personally, I think we need both, and I think we can have both, and not just for the sake of it. Like I think they both bring something to the table. I think there's a couple things. One. People are now realizing that you can have success in rural Newfoundland because you don't need to go to the big city. You don't need to go to Toronto. You don't need, if you do, great. But uh, I'm starting to see a lot of people that have made that move and are saying, you know what, I'm going to come home. I like the pace of life better. I can enjoy my life a bit more. The commute's a lot nicer. Uh, the conditions, just everything about it. And they can still run their business. They can still create. They can still do things. Now, there are, you know, not to say that there's not challenges. The biggest one we have here, uh, bar none, is connectivity. We mm -hmm. need to, and that's where I think governments and industry play a role in ensuring that no matter where you are in this province, that you have access to the high-speed internet, that you have access to the technology that you need to succeed. And that's where a big focus of ours is, is working with the feds who just put a lot of money into that. Uh, so, and, and again, throwing just the education side. No more... Do we need, as a kid in rural Newfoundland, not going to have access to the same courses as someone in St. John's because you can get it all, you know, through high speed, you can get it all through virtual learning. And we've lived that now. I think we're all a little scared of it, but I just saw my kids go through it myself and I'm just blown away. The stuff they're doing, uh, you know, 10 year old me would not have imagined that. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, everything you're saying, I have to tell you, is music to my ears. I, I'm a firm believer that success comes out of government, industry, academia, and community working together, those four big pillars. And I always saw government in the middle of that kind of being the, the dry kindling to get the fire going, right? And when I hear you say, how can I help? <laughs> That's exactly what you want when you want to start that fire, when industry asks and when academia asks. But I think everybody's got a piece to play in there so that we, uh, a rising tide floats all boats in this case. Is, uh, would you agree? 
Oh, yeah, I, absolutely. Everybody I talk to, I'll explain to them that your victory is mine, too. So this is not like yeah. there's competing mindsets. It's one vision where I say, look, if you guys do awesome, I get to hang on your coattails. And that's great. Uh, that's what we want here, yeah. because your success only means good things for us. There is no downside to it. So my job is to, in many cases, is to be a facilitator. Uh, it's to get out of the way. And, you know, like anything, there's a due diligence whenever government's involved. But at the same time, you need to find that fine line between uh, doing that due diligence and just not overthinking it, over-regulating it, getting out of the way and letting business operate. And that's always a challenge because we are responsible to our constituents and taxpayers. But that doesn't mean that we can't move quicker. Uh, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm a firm, firm believer of that. Uh, to the point where, you know, sometimes you got to have that leap of faith. Uh, and, and you know what, recently, and I take no credit, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm in a department that's got a hell of a great team. My, and they are invested in this too. My job is just to spur them on to say, you know, go for it. What's holding you back? What is in the way that's making you maybe think this way or that? Let's do this. Let's not be afraid to take some risk, measured, calculated risk, but risk all the same. And as long as that uh, the reward is higher than that risk, well, let's give it a shot. And generally, we've been pretty lucky. Um, and, and like I say, it's still early on. I mean, there's a we got a hell of a lot to do. And that's what makes it so exciting to get up. Well, I just want to jump in on that. You know, I've been in business development for 30 years. And it's interesting, you know, when you start studying uh, technology in particular and any business, inbound marketing and, and, you know, responding to customers. Like, I think we, we all collectively need to speed up a little bit. And I'm not saying that we need to uh, stress ourselves out, but the province needs to do things a little differently. And I'm not talking about the government just per se, but, uh, you know, in, in private industry, if you don't respond to a customer within an hour, the pressure is on. So I think everybody, if anyone's kind of insulated from that type of customer service, I'm suggesting that I think we all need to get a little quicker in responding to people. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, I, I mean, I have a, you know, I don't have a lot of hard and fast rules, but one is that everybody that gets in touch with me, I want a response to that person, even if it's not like the the fulsome response, some kind of acknowledgement that you got in touch. And my thought process is, Okay, if Alan writes to me with an issue and I delegate that out to staff and say, all right, I want you to work on that issue and just say it takes a week. Well, my problem is that if Alan writes again a second time and says, well, nobody got back to me to let me know you got in touch. It doesn't matter how good your response is because he's already pissed off by this point. So I want us to respond to everybody and say, hey, got it. We're on it. It could take this amount of time because every response is different depending on the information they're looking for but it's a customer service thing where yeah you you have been heard now at the same time i also get a lot of i'm always afraid uh and this is the paranoia that's a good paranoia that drives you i'm always you can imagine how many emails we get you can imagine how many of them are maybe you know a little left fieldish but we take every one of them serious because my fear is that the one that you don't take serious is the one that comes back to bite you. And then you say, well, you never even looked at this. You never even read it. You never even took care of it. Uh, you know, basically that's one of the things that always scares the life out of me. So we do look at everything. We do respond. But at the same time, I try to get staff uh, 
especially when we respond to some things where there's not much we can do. We don't need to write them, uh, you know, a war and peace response that's this long. <laughs> you know, we can expedite this. We can yeah. streamline it because, yeah. you know, some things, they are what they are. Some deserve different responses. Andrew, I really enjoy uh, how you describe the agility of your uh, current charge and the, and the way the province is going. And I also, I'm, I'm quite impressed by the open-mindedness. I find sometimes um, governments and, uh, can get set in uh, providing programs. And if you don't fit into that round hole in a square peg, uh, it doesn't work out. But I, what I'm hearing from you is that open mind is, a, let's hear those ideas. Let's look at what's in what I often say, the art of the possible and where that can take our province. It's a great way to be. That's uh, you know, I, I get it too. And this is not about sort of taking credit or laying blame, but I mean, it's too easy to get trapped in a black and white, you know, yeah. right, wrong situation where does it fit or does it not fit? And I understand the people that are on the ground frontline and every department working on that, there's a fear they have that if they don't do something right, that it's going to be a repercussion. And I'd rather people not feel that way as long as they apply common sense to it. I'm always about, well, is there, okay, if it's not going to, if we can't go down this way, what if we just try to do it a little bit differently? Because we need to succeed for absolutely everybody. We need to take a few chances. Uh, and, and my big thing that I'll tell everybody is, look, if, as long as you try, as long as you apply some common sense, then I'll back you. I'll back you up all the way. That doesn't mean everybody's going to get what they want. Sometimes what people ask of us or any department is just not going to work. It's just not right. But, you know, there's something about not everything is on paper. There are intangibles that have to be accounted for. And the prime example of that is if I went to apply for a job at the Department of Justice now, uh, I probably wouldn't get hired when you look at my resume compared to a bunch of other people. But the fact is that I'm pretty confident that I'll work them and that I bring something else to the table. And somebody took a chance on me. So, and you know what, that is what's led me to being in this position now is that people took chances on me, gave me opportunities and you had to make the most of them. So I think the same, when somebody comes to us, let's just not look at what's there. Let's try to get a feel. Let's try to understand maybe there's something else there and you never know what can come out of it. Sometimes you need somebody to take a chance on you. Eh? And it's, uh, it's such a, a nice thing to hear you say, because there's people out there, right? Young people, even people that are, uh, in career transition, maybe a little older, that just need somebody to take a chance on them, right? To say, yeah, I, I believe in your your life experiences to date, and, and I want to take a chance on you. It's great to hear that. And I love the way you describe, <laughs> just use your common sense. I spent a long time in the Navy, and I can tell you, that's one thing that got us through. Just use your common sense, you know. Well, empathy. Empathy yeah. will get you anywhere. Like It's even when you deal with an upset person. And just try to put yourself in their situation. Maybe they're down to their last $10 in the bank account. Maybe there's some illness in their family. Just think about why they might be upset. Think about why they might do a certain thing. Put yourself in their shoes. And I tell you what, you will generally get a lot farther than not being able to put yourself there. And so I don't have many strengths. That's one. I can generally put myself and say, you know, yeah, I, you know what, if I was feeling like that person, I'd probably do this or that, or I'd probably react a certain way. And so, you know, common sense, empathy, understanding, these to me are characteristics that you can't put on a resume, uh, but you can generally pick them out in people once you talk to them. 
A hundred percent. And Jerry and I started this really interesting part of our media company called Talent Streams, where we showcase people that are in some sort of career transformation. And that's what we're talking about. It's what are those skills that they have beyond their credentials and stuff? What are what's really makes that person tick? It's so important. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, and sometimes it doesn't always work out. Sometimes you take a chance on someone and it doesn't pan out. It's not the end of the world. There's, It's not even close to the end of the world. It's amazing what people get discovered when you just give them a shot and you find what that skill set is, and then you can put them in the right path, and they're just knocking them pins. Andrew, it's funny, you know, we had Brian Timmons on a month ago, maybe now, uh, but one of the things that I'm doing with newfound marketing is having work term students. And frankly, I've been in business for 30 years, very little exposure to work term students. But I can tell you the the quality of individuals in that MUN business program is amazing. I've been lucky uh, with the two that I've had where I could literally thrust them into a meeting like this. And we do everything on Zoom pretty well now. And I said, you know, to the one young girl, get your voice. I, you know, I love encouraging that and, and just seeing that person get their confidence. That's what this province needs. A bunch of young people that have the confidence to speak to someone like you, you know, how many out there are frightened to death to get on because we're on with the minister of industry. Like they'd be scared shitless, frankly, we need them to have the confidence. Right. And I, I find it funny that somebody would be feeling that way on a call with me, but that's just, you know, I, I, I get it. It comes with the territory. But right. two things I'll say about that. One, one of the greatest, I guess, victories I had, which means not a whole lot, but it comes back to that point. When I was in justice, I got a call from the school social work. And they said, we've got all these students here that need work terms. They do not need to be paid. It's during their school. Uh, and they need to go down to places like, you know, Her Majesty's and have access to these people for their work terms, but we're not allowed to do it because government got rid of unpaid work terms, which I also understand the logic for. Mm. But she said, please, like, can it was a, her name at the time was Donna Hardy Cox was the Dean of School Social Work at the time. She said, please, can you, like, we just got these kids who are not getting this access that they need and this, in, you know, insight. And so it took me a year and a half dealing with treasury board, dealing with bureaucracy, and finally, we got an exemption so that these students could get these work terms that they hadn't gotten for so many years. And I thought that was the greatest thing on earth. Uh, anyways, it's, it's apropos of nothing, I guess, but the second part is that we have the greatest generator of talent down the hill from us. We've got, and not just the students, but the, the, uh, the, the instructors, teachers, professors, you name it. Like we got this huge pool of talent that I just like to bring them up and just set them loose. Uh, You know, sometimes there are things to get in the way, but there's so many crazy things you could do. Now, luckily, I do think in business slash tech, that's been seen already, whether it's the Mel Mm -hmm. Woodward cult, whether it's Genesis, whether it's all these different, that talent is starting to be let loose and supported and nurtured. So I'm lucky there. But in other sectors, it is not. And it's getting tougher. And we've got to find a way because the worst thing we could do is have the most affordable tuition, some of the best post-secondary education, but the fewest opportunities. Mm -hmm. What's the point of training these people and sending them off? But Andrew, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, it's all about uh, engaging academia, government, industry, all in the conversation right from the get-go. 
the entire times of their academic journey, they should be challenged with the provincial issues so that those young minds can solve those problems as they go through their education. It's you're right. There's that the talent is all there. It's just how we engage them. I love that story about the dean. You know what I love about Newfoundlanders are just not afraid to pick up the phone and ask the question. Like, well, how can I fix this? The other best part about Newfoundland is that that dean. Once we got talking, we realized that her and my mother are both from the same area, Mouse Island, <laughs> Port of Basque. <laughs> Mouse Island. <laughs> Does it look like go. a mouse? Is that why it's called Mouse Island? I, I, I bet you there's some kind of story behind it. I'm, <laughs> I'm just not going to guess. Yeah, it's probably named Mouse before these things came out, right? <laughs> yeah. So but, uh, uh, I just, sorry, you know what? You're stimulating a lot of conversation here. Uh, I think about the youth and the, you know, it's one thing, you know, Mun is great. But, you know, Alan and I, we've talked to people at College in North Atlantic. Yes. Um, Craig Tucker was on our podcast with uh, Key in Tech. Yeah. You know, um, my nephew now is, is doing a welding program. A really good friend of mine owns an electrical company. And like some of these people are struggling to get qualified individuals for roles. It's not just the tech industry. So there's, there's, you know, and, and frankly, when I listen to my friends talk about some of the people that come out of kids that can come out and command pretty good wages in, in a technical um, thing. So I look forward to us developing that as well, you know? Well, I mean, we've got, you know, our college of North Atlantic system throughout is just, it's amazing uh, what it can do. And, and not just, I mean, I look at the campus out here in Port of Basque. We have non-destructive testing students from all over the world that come here because it's known as a center of excellence. And we're churning out people. And if anything, one thing, the college and places like Keen and other post-secondary institutions show, they're nimble, they're agile. And we can't just do things on the May, December, January to the spring. Right. We need right. to say, okay, we're going to react. When you call us, we're going to find a way to get you in, get you skilled up, get you trained, and get you out. We can't, well, we got to wait till January. That's when the next semester starts. The world's not waiting for that. So, and they, they get this. This is not news to them. If anything, they're teaching me, but micro credentials, things like that, like they're ready to adopt. Uh, what the business world needs and get them out there. It's great instruction. Uh, but that's the big thing is just timing these days. we got to do everything as quick mm -hmm. as possible. You yeah. know, it's funny that you say global leader, right? I look at there's a there's some companies in Newfoundland that are truly global leaders. I mean, you, you named uh, one there. I mean, look at Kraken Robotics, what they're doing in marine robot. I mean, they are truly a global leader right in Mount Pearl, how does how does this happen, Andrew? How does this in this remote little island in the middle of the Atlantic, you have global leaders sprouting up? What's the well, reason? You know what? They're 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 playing on our strengths, and right next to us or surrounding us is the ocean, and we're finally getting the fact that we've got all this. We've got centuries of experience doing this. In fact, we send our people all over the world. I mean, my younger brother is in the marine industry and he's been around the world. Now we're realizing that we can take our know-how and export it as well, not just the people, but the IP. Uh, and I look at Carl Kenny and Bill Donovan. In fact, I had to tell them, like, guys, can you slow down on the press releases you're sending me? There's too much like going on, whether they're acquiring a company in Brazil, whether they're, yeah. you know, they're doing more over in Germany or at the dead, it was at the Danish Navy. Uh, 
and again, going into their work site, it's just mind blowing to see this. Stuff. It's hard to believe it's happening here, but we've always had that sense of ingenuity. It's just realizing that it can happen here. It can, and we find out to me, okay, being on this, you know, this province, I'll say this island without offending Labrador. Uh, yeah, we got some challenges, accessibility, uh, you know, just getting things out there. But you know what? The game has been changed now with the fact that connectivity is changed. So we can deal and work with everybody just as fast. We don't need to be in the big centers. You just got to have the best ideas and the know-how and the ability to work hard. And that's nothing that we, we've never been shy of having any of that. It's funny, you know, I was uh, I was at a meeting four or five years ago and uh, it, was, it was an international meeting and it was all around uh, energy and the Norwegians were there, Swedes were there, Iceland, Iceland was there, uh, Scott, Scots were all there. Anyway, a big room full of people and they were talking about hydrogen energy and hydrogen storage and the guy from Iceland <laughs> stood up and he said, hey, let, let's not forget the Newfoundlanders beat us all to it with Ramia Island. That's right in your backyard, right? Ramia is right in my district. It's a beautiful little, I always say, uh, they'll say, are you going on a, a, a down south? I say, I'm going to a little island down south here now. It's, uh, <laughs> but when, the first thing you see when you're sailing towards Ramia is the wind towers. It's right. the first thing that you see. And they've sure they got enough down there to power their own grid. They've got private industry doing the same thing. But it's evidence that it can be done elsewhere. And I mean, energy is one of those things where, We've there is so much excitement. If we could just harness where we're going, if we could deal with some of the issues that are sort of holding us up a little, we've got opportunities in every single field, whether it's wind, you say, you know, hydrogen resulting from that, hydroelectric, natural gas. Yeah. There's a lot to do there. It's just figuring out what is the strategy and the plan going forward. Yeah, it's almost like there's <laughs> yeah, it's almost like there's so many opportunities, it's hard to focus, right? It, totally. It's, uh, I mean, constantly, just before we came on here, I'm getting texts from guys that want to talk about LNG. And then on the way today, I'll be on the phone talking to somebody about what are we going to do with hydrogen? And there are, there's tons of opportunities. Um, the big thing is realizing that as a province, we have access, but we've got to work with private industry. We need that capital and we need that expertise. And it's not going to happen without one uh, you know, everybody coming together right. and just a, a plan so that you're not going willy nilly at it half cocked everywhere. We've got it there. It's just about, like you say, focusing and okay, what is our plan? Yeah. Uh, a lot of, um, obviously a, a lot of, a lot of great opportunities, but I mean, uh, challenging times that we've just come through globally uh, as our country and, and the like, what do you see the future looking like for Newfoundland? What do you see over the horizon? Well, you know, I, uh, as I said earlier, I'll go back. It's easy to talk about some of the tough things. And that's no secret here in the province. Yeah, there's tough times that we've, you know, it's not just happened. It's taken decades to get here. Uh, we have some, you know, we have some fiscal issues that we had to work on. But I look at the fact that we've got, like, we've got energy here that just needs development is opportunity to me. It's not, it's about, okay, we've got all these different opportunities. Who do we partner with and who do we work with? Some that's getting past the old, um, I guess, uh, fear mongering of, oh, well, you know, you can't partner with Quebec. You can't work with them. And don't get me wrong. I get it. And I know you got to be careful. You got to be careful whoever you deal with. But I think to me, partnerships are based on mutual 
uh, respect and mutual well-being. So it's mm-hmm. not about one, not uh, to me, let's all partner together, whether it's partnering with oil companies, which we, we have been doing successfully. Uh, the big things to me is figuring out our renewable energy plan, this Atlantic Loop and what we see elsewhere. And I think that ties into uh, our tech side of it. Like we've got so much brain power there, but how do we take what's currently working and make it happen right here? Uh, so if anything, it's about tying all these ends together. They're there, but we have to tie them together. Uh, and once we get that, like, I, look, it's, it's too easy to get up and find something wrong. Right. And I tell you what, I think about the fact that I'm going to retire here in this province. My kids are going to have an opportunity here in this province. Doesn't mean that we're not going to have tough days along the way. You find me a place that hasn't had a tough day and I'll move there. But there's so much opportunity. There's no better place. Uh, we've, we've got way more positives than we do negatives. But Andrew, on that point, you know, the tough part, if we reflect on the last, say, 13, 14 months, the pandemic has turned a lot of things upside down, turned my life upside down. Uh, I was chugging along for 30 years. Everything was fine. It came to a hard stop on March 19th of last year. But the renewal that's come out of that, the realization that I needed, I didn't need to be chasing, you know, the, the big, big, big salaries and, and the creativity that comes out of hardship is just, uh, re- it's, 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 uh, it's a renewal, you know, and I think, I think Newfoundland is there. I think we're there. There's still going to be like, I don't envy what you and, and the premier have to do in many respects. There's going to be some challenging things, but that that challenge, if anyone is insulated and hasn't had any challenge, well, kudos to them. But I, I think challenge gets me motivated in the morning, you know? Well, that's just it. I mean, it's it's you need a challenge to, to get going. You need a challenge in anything. Like to me, uh, you know, that's why I love sports. I like challenge. I just like the idea, like, you know, I... I have just as much fun having a bet with who's going to win if Montreal is going to beat Toronto at night. Like just the challenge is what I want to see. Um, you know, I feel bad. You're talking about, yeah, you know what? There have been hard times and I do have empathy for those that are going through it. And if anything, some, some of the problem we have as a province, perhaps sometimes we're a little bit prone to fearing change, to mm-hmm. fearing opportunity because it's not how we've done things. But if there's, you know what, I'll find a silver lining in anything. And silver lining with COVID is we learn, oh, we can do things really differently. We can find a better work-life balance. We can find ways that kids can be taught uh, virtually no matter where, where they are. Uh, we can find that, you know, we have new skills and opportunities that maybe we're blinded from before because of how things were going that open up those doors that we weren't aware of. Um, you know, I, I look at our, our energy sector. I mean, yeah, oil and gas has gone through a tough time. And, and throw in the fact that even without a pandemic, we have a concentration on that because of just our need for lower emissions, our need for to battle climate change. But that industry is going to be, we, we still have a need for that. There's going to be a need for that for another few decades yet. But at the same time, because the attention wasn't all squarely on that, we saw, okay, hang on a sec now. Now we do see, because that behemoth is out of the way, we can see behind it and see a few other things that, okay, maybe we need, we can focus our attention on multiple things. Andrew, your sense of optimism, <laughs> your energy, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's fantastic. 
And, and you're you're a grounded guy. Where how do you what do you attribute this grounded uh, base from? Where does that come from? At the end of the day, uh, you know what? No matter what you get to do, no matter what you get to be a part of, and I and it doesn't. I don't lose sight of the fact that I'm sitting at tables, you know, graced by some pretty notable figures in our history. Uh, you know, I'm following in my father's footsteps who sat at that table. Uh, I get to be a part of decisions that affect my kids and all of us. Uh, but you know what? I'm pretty lucky that I'm surrounded by a lot of family and friends. I'll give you an example. One thing I love to do, I haven't done it in a while. Uh, I play cards with a bunch of guys. And I tell you what, as soon as I walk in that door, they give it to me. They just <laughs> let me have it. It doesn't... And you know what? There's nothing to keep you grounded like a bunch of your buddies letting you know that at the end of the day, you're just another fella drinking beer, playing cards. And we all get up in the morning and we all take care of our kids. That that keeps you grounded pretty good, uh, especially the fact when you're taking all your money. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, this has been great, Jerry. What, what are your final thoughts, buddy? Well, I just think, you know, it comes back to the fact, you know, you did your, your law degree, you, you literally could have just gone into that career and, and uh, that would have been a lucrative career for you. But you've stepped outside of the norm and taken on this heavy responsibility. But uh, it's, it's just, I think it's important that people get to know the person. Uh, I play hockey with a guy who used to be in Danny Williams' cabinet. And, uh, you know, uh, same thing. When he comes in the dressing room, he screwed up that pass. That's all that matters, you know. You just screwed up that pass. I don't care who you were or what you are. You just, you know. So I think, uh, you know, the province is in good hands. I don't care what political stripe anyone is in this province. We all have to lift up the leaders like you um, and, and the premier. Uh, I'm not going to agree with everything you do, but I can tell you this, that it's, it's, it's hard work. You know, I think about a company like, for example, Marco Limited, when I used to land in Halifax and I'd see them actually builders of Atlantic Canada and the pride that it would have knowing that's a Newfoundland company, but they were, you know, redeveloping the Halifax airport. So there's all kinds of Newfoundlanders all over the world that are doing great things. And I think that we are going to go through some tough times, but uh, thanks Andrew for just taking the leadership uh, of this and guiding us through it. Well, uh, like I said, I'm just lucky. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of teams, whether it's sports or politics or volunteer groups, which I did a lot of. I just like being on a team and a team that works well together. And uh, so I'm lucky to be on a pretty good team with a good skipper, uh, surrounded by people that, you know, I like and I work with. Um, and, and I guess, you know, I, I guess what I would say is that uh, not everybody gets a chance to do this. I'm fully cognizant that I get to do this. Um, and there's, if there's, Two things I would leave you with. One is I, when I first got elected, I took the time to sit down with a bunch of different people, different backgrounds, not even the same political stripe, just people that I had read about, had heard about, had listened to. And I sat down with them and said, okay, what would you tell a rookie like me? And one of the big things I got was never forget where you're from. And so that's why, that's why I drive home every week. That's why I spend time here because these are the people that, put me in this chair that gave me the shot uh, and the people I sit at the dinner table with every day, 
you know, doesn't matter. It does, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I do. As long as I'm there to put together Lego or be dead, that's all that matters to them. Yeah. And if there's one thing, you know, there's times, don't get me wrong. I can be, there's have difficult days and some days you're just, oh my God. And I think about it, you know, my family went through a pretty significant health challenge in the last year and a half. My wife, like really, really tough, the toughest thing we've gone through. And so after being through that and she's recovered and she's doing great and we're so thought, like, we're just so lucky. I say, you know what? It, it can always be worse. It can always be worse. So, you know what? Take a little time and find, you know what? Put different perspective on something. And that's the thing that me and her do every day. Uh, I always, hey, it might be the most minute, minuscule thing, but try to put a positive spin on it because it makes your life a lot better, makes your life a lot happier, a lot easier. And that's just what I try to do to get me through it. Wow. Uh, Andrew, uh, thank you very much for joining Gale Force wins. Uh, I know that Andrew's got a, a hard stop here with us because he's got to go pick up the kids from school. And then he's got a nine hour drive across Newfoundland. And it's pretty windy over there today. So he's got to drive in front of him. I, I can't begin to thank you enough. I mean, your sense of optimism uh, is unbelievable. Your passion for the province and to see it thrive is it's, it's incredible. It's, it's admirable stuff, Andrew. Um, it really is good to see the direction that Newfoundland's going. And there's a lot of people in there, government people, industry people, academics, and community leaders that are all making this province thrive. And you're a big part of that. And thanks very much. And I'm sure your staff really appreciate the fact that they can take a step out and they know that they're going to be supported. That's really something to be celebrating. I'm on an awesome team and all together we're on team Newfoundland and Labrador and what benefits one of us is going to benefit us all. So let's all pull together and there's lots of good things we can do onwards and upwards. Well, what another great, another great episode of uh, uh, Gale Force Winds. And I always leave the audience with my own small takeaway. And that is the world needs more Andrew Parsons. Thanks very much, Andrew. (laughs) Thanks, gents. Thank you for tuning in to Gale Force Winds. That's Gale Force Winds, W-I-N-S dot com.